and welcome to another freshly baked episode of Not Another Whiskey Podcast. I am Nicholas Polacki, joined as always by the man who spends more time outdoors than Yogi Bear, Mr. Mitch Bouchard. Mitch, say hello. <laughs> oh, hello. Mate, I liked, I liked your hello there. It was like, hello, it's very Scottish. Hello there. Thank you for tuning in to Not Another Whiskey Podcast. <laughs> uh, right, now, before we get carried away with our own stories, today is a fun episode for me, as we don't just have a guest joining us, but I'm delighted to share it with someone who I'm proud to say has become one of my best mates over the last few years on the show, and it's going to be a good one, Mitch. Oh, mate, is this going to be one of these ones where you talk about like your your famous TV personalities, some global jet setter, uh, and just like piss everyone off and we lose half our listeners again? Uh, pretty much, mate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, no need for us to pour a drink to drown our sorrows out for this one, as this is a guy who will just pick you up with his own banter. Right, so without further ado, I want to bring in a man who came to the United States, and he'll correct me if I'm wrong on this, he came to the USA on a soccer scholarship. He's pretty handy with a football. Uh, he's one of the original whiskey brand ambassadors ever to work in the United States to promote Scotch whiskey, right? So he's 147 years old. At least. <laughs> At least. No, I'm only teasing. Uh, now he's got his own production company and a television show, so you went wrong, Mitch. It's called Leave No Trace, where he travels to every continent in the world to explore luxury ecotourism. Uh, he did uh, once do a whiskey tasting with Richard Patterson, where they shared a dram together. It's called Two Ricks, One Cup. Look it up on Google. Make sure it's not on a company computer. Laddies and lassies, is Mr. Richard Crawford. Ah, yay! What an intro. And, and there you what go. A what a get together here! I mean, we were just <laughs> we were just discussing the last time all three of us were together um, in West Hollywood, <laughs> which, which, which we have to keep that part off the show. Oh, we do. All right. <laughs> Man, I, I've listened to you. So, in fact, your show is my Monday afternoon routine. So, I usually sit on my my porch at the house and light up a cigar and pour myself a whiskey and, and listen to your podcast. It's you very, go. very enjoyable. Absolutely. Nice, man. Well, thank you yeah. very much. We appreciate that, Ricky. But, uh, dude, it's great to see you, man. It's It's been forever. I, I, like, we were trying to piece together the last time the three of us were all together. I think it was maybe 2015, 2016, something ridiculous like that. Yeah, yeah. We I think we'd all just turned 21. And uh, <laughs> throwing throw a again. big party again, again, eh? Very good. You know, at that time, I think we worked out you were uh, working for the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. But let's rewind a little bit here, man. Let's let's get all the listeners to 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 know a little bit about you. You know, where did you grow up in Scotland? Take us through this journey that you're now on, living in the US. Uh, let's hear it all, man. Oh man, but, so I. I not all of it, not all of it, like condensed version. <laughs> yeah, so I, I grew up in, in Paisley, uh, and I actually grew up in a little neighborhood called Fergusley Park, which up until very recently was the most deprived neighborhood in all of Scotland. So, and now we're, and now it's second. So I'm, I'm a little pissed off that we've lost that. It, it, we've lost that title. Wait, it um, came up and it came up in the statins because you left. Is that right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> By 50%. Uh, in, fact, in fact, there's a little British documentary that, that it's floating around on the internet that, that says, Fergusley Park, Belfast in Scotland. It's, it's so crazy. And I would have been about five at the time. Anyway, so I grew up in Paisley, came over to the States uh, in, the, in the early 90s, um, 
I had a, a soccer scholarship. I wasn't very good, but I was better than most of the Americans, which is all that mattered at the so time. So wait a minute, you couldn't get a game in Scotland? But could, you, no, you... no, could he? <laughs> I, I, I was last to get picked, even at the five-a-sides. So that's funny, because the Americans are doing the opposite now. They're buying all these guys like Messi, like all these guys that are going into their 40s and would be washed up in any other league and they're bringing yeah. them over. But that was, you couldn't get a game in Scotland, but you could get a game over there. No, no, I, I, I could get a game now because, you know, like you said, they're bringing in all the old people. <laughs> my, my knees just wouldn't handle it. But yeah, so I came to the States, uh, you know, went to school here, went to the, the good old University of Alabama. And, uh, Roll tight. Know, yeah, had a fun time. There was a, it was a culture shock. It's actually more of a culture shock for Alabama than it was for me. <laughs> I was going to say about being for Paisley, wasn't it kind of the same because you were like that in Alabama, you know? You had yeah, to marry it, your sister because your mom turned it, you down. Yeah, well, fortunately, <laughs> my sister couldn't afford a ticket at the time, so I was good. I um, <laughs> I I struggled like even listening to this podcast today. Obviously, I've been here in the states for thirty years, so my accent's very much diluted compared to you two. Obviously, you're still back in Scotland, Mitch. But when I first came in the states, God, I I nobody understood a word I said for about two years, and I used to <laughs> I used to go through the drive-through like at McDonald's, and it's those speakers are already bad enough, so it's like. <sighs> You know, and I'd make my order. And they'd be like, "Sir, you're gonna have to come inside and make that order." So I would, and I'd make the order inside, and they'd still say, "I, I just point to the number. I, I don't have any clue what you're saying." Fast forward a few years, and and uh, yeah, got got hired by by Glenn Levitt um, to be their national brand ambassador here in the United States. But there's actually a, a real cool story behind that. If you want to hear it, yeah, go for it. There, right. So the position was posted on. I don't know some some website. I think that the internet had just started, and uh, I applied for it with a probably about uh, what I was told was about four thousand people applied for this job, and I had to go through like interview after interview and after interview, and it was it was down to two people, and I went up to Pernod Ricard's head office up in Westchester, New York, and I think the other person that was between was me and um, Win uh, Winston Evans. I don't know if you guys know him, Welsh guy. Anyway, yeah. so I, I walk into this. I, I think I've nailed it, right? I'm like, I've 19 interviews so far. This is the last one. I've just got to meet with the, the big head guy of Perno, uh, Joey Ranga was his name. And I walked in and I blew it. Like, there was no chemistry between me and him. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe how that went. And sure as hell, I got the email from him about two weeks later saying, ah, you know, we're not going to hire you, but we haven't found you know, we're going to start the search all over again. So I emailed them back. I was like, man, I, I think you've made a mistake. I was like, look, here's what I'll do. I'll work for you for three months for free. I know you were sending us back to Scotland for education and all that stuff. I said, I'll pay for it myself. I was like, but I, I honestly think you made a mistake. And if you take this chance, I think you'll be happy. And he did. He emailed me back in, in like four minutes and said, I've never had, I've never turned anybody down for a job and then have them email me back and say, I think you've made a mistake. <laughs> so that <laughs> that's how I got that job at Glen Levitt. And the rest is history, obviously being an hey, ambassador. So did you work for three for free for three months? No, I didn't. I didn't. He actually said, look, that this is you've perked my interest here. That was really cool. Uh you, you're obviously you're obviously, you know, um Chancing bastard, yeah, chancing bastard, yeah, <laughs> and uh, so he, he gave me the job. There you go, nice, yeah. I met his wife, we, we had a big dinner a, a few months later, or about a year later, and it was all people and their spouses. And I sat next to him and his wife, and his wife introduced herself, and I said, Yeah, I'm, I'm Richard. She goes, Oh, you're the guy. 
you're the guy that called him and said he made a mistake by not hiring you. She said, before he called you back, he called me and told me. This guy just told me I made a mistake. Anyway, I always think it's a fun story and it's definitely a lesson learned. Don't, you know, make sure you give it every opportunity, give it every shot when, when you know, before somebody tells you absolutely no. Well, there you go. 100% agree. But like, so growing up in Paisley, right? Mm-hmm. As we've already discussed, a town where even the river wants to run out of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, oh, like the job came up. You were out in the states anyway, so it was like a, it was fortuitous that you were there. But had you, did you have a passion for whiskey beforehand? Like, was your was your was your, was your father a whiskey drinker? What was the yeah yeah like my, like? yeah? My dad and my uncle both worked for the company you guys worked for, William Grant. So they worked. They worked in warehousing. William Grant had a huge warehouse and pallet, uh, boxing pallets and stuff like that in Paisley. And my dad and my uncle both worked there for like twenty five years or something. Um, and I got when I left high school, I actually had the opportunity to go work there, but it was you know sweeping the floor and doing all that kind of crap. So I, I was like. I'm too good for this. I'm 17. I'm an adult. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to go see what the world looks like anyway. So, yeah. So there was, there was some kind of experience there or, you know, I was familiar with the industry. Um, Not as obviously not as much as it would have been needed just starting the job, but Glenn Levitt and Perno Ricard did a good job of education as the, you know, most of the brands now are top notch at it. Yep. What, what year was that Ricky? I think, I think was... night when I came to the states, or when I when you did the the Glenlivet gig. Oh, when to when? Two thousand seven to fourteen, something like okay. that. Two thousand six to two, yeah, two thousand six yeah, yeah. to two thousand fourteen. That would have been an interesting time as well, because you know, I, I suppose Nicholas and I were both. Uh, 2010 when we started in the yeah. US and it was still it was still a little bit of the 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 wild wild west and no one really kind of had a grasp on what ambassadors were doing right but I imagine 2007 like to to that point must have been a little bit crazy what's one of your best stories from from that amb- those ambassador days oh god I gotta think of a bunch uh, but honestly it was the wild west you ultimately were were setting the standard for the job like people were like well here's here's the three things you have to do you have to go out there teach our sales people around the country how to you know about the brand do visits to bars and restaurants and teach the owners and and staff and bars and restaurants and then talk to the public about about the brand and scotch whiskey in general and that was it that was the guidelines and then it was on top of that and here's a massive expense account so go do what you have to do um (laughs) So well, I, I I even managed to I actually managed to overspend the massive spending account that the expense account they gave me and I was hauled into the office and um my, my boss at the time was like, Look, man, we could give you a big account, but you're going over, what's the deal? And his boss came into the office and said, Is he doing a good job? Or you know, are people getting the message? He's like, Yeah, he's you know, he's people are liking what he's doing. He's like, Well, give him the money he needs. <laughs> I was like, Woo, even more, <laughs> even bigger expense account. But as far as stories are concerned, uh, actually, there, I've got a story about your expense account. Well, yeah, it's a question actually, because yeah. I want to know if this is just like you—you're one of these guys that's almost got like uh, those urban legends that follow you around, Ricky. So I don't know if, <laughs> if it's if it's all true or not. But did you at one point not actually have to have a place to live because you stayed in so many hotel rooms that you just put all your stuff in a storage unit and lived in hotels for over a year? 
No, the story of that is when I got hired, I, I lived in Dallas, Texas, when Glenn Lovett hired me. And as soon as they hired me, they had me on the road. Like they wanted me to live in New York. They asked me to come to New York and that's where they wanted me to, base, to be based out of. And as soon as they hired me, they had this schedule. Like they were putting me in every market like for two years straight. So I, I literally was on the road for two years straight. I didn't, I wasn't in Manhattan long enough to find myself an apartment. So <laughs> I, I lived on the road. Like, but the most, and when I was in Manhattan, I yeah, I was never there for any more than probably two, three weeks at the most at a time, and that wasn't very often. And usually it's because I was working, so it was expensed, so I could get a hotel. So for two years, I lived in hotels. It was the best <laughs> thing ever, man. It was the best thing. In fact, when I did get an apartment, I was disappointed to come home the first night and know my bed wasn't made there was no chocolate on the pillow so like, what the hell what kind of lifestyle <laughs> who lives this lifestyle like having a place who wants that mate i think i remember speaking to you at one point as well and this is obviously after you eventually bought a house and you turned around and said to me oh i just airbnb it out anyway and yep. i've made x amount of money this year <laughs> through doing that you know i did that too i did that too and i lived in new york because even when i lived there i wasn't there very often in fact i um, i lived on 57 between 9 and 10 which is about four blocks from where the cruise ships come in to New York. So I used to Airbnb my house on a Thursday. I would buy a cruise like four or 500 bucks and the Airbnb would pay me like 800 bucks. So I would just leave the apartment for the weekend, jump on the cruise ship, go away for four days and come back. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> So, mate, you've started up your whole production company, which we're going to get onto in a second. But before we get onto that, I want to just ask you a little bit about the whiskey industry right now. What are your thoughts on it? Are you missing it? Being out of it now? How's that all working out for you? Oh, I, I definitely miss it. I, I miss, and I'm not sure it's the same now because I'm not part of it, but I miss the camaraderie. I miss the group of ambassadors who get together at certain times throughout the year and just, you know, get to visit Scotland is, is always the favorite trip. But mm -hmm. I definitely, I definitely miss it. I miss being in front of people, um, telling, telling the story. Uh, ultimately that's what we are as, as, or that's what we were as ambassadors, just storytellers. Like we didn't really have any massive skills except that we could get up there and entertain an audience and, and captivate them on the story of Scotch whiskey. So I definitely miss it. Um, I love a lot of things that are going on in the industry now, a lot of the new distilleries that are coming up. Um, and of course, this has been happening for years, but all the new expressions and the fact that everybody's willing to experiment uh, and do different things. When I when I did first start as an ambassador, it was quite quite stuck up a little bit. It's almost like the wine industry. You know, you, you had to mm -hmm. drink it a certain way. You could only use certain barrels. God forbid you put it in something that had a previous content, a, you know, a previous source in it. But it's come a long, long way. Um, and yeah, I, I, I definitely miss it. I One of my favorite things right now about the Scotch whiskey industry is the fact that Harris Gin, who, who had a, a distillery in Harris, just released their whiskey last week. And I had the opportunity to go there several years ago and, and film some stuff. And I'm so excited for them. And I, they're just, it's a brilliant story, uh, a brilliant product, and, and just really looking forward to what those guys are going to do. Yeah, absolutely. But we chatted about that um, just recently, actually, Nicholas and I. And uh, we, we've we've both got a little uh, little bottle of it. So yep. we're, uh, we're going to chat about the actual tasting notes on that very shortly. Cool. But, mate, back to you. So let's chat about this. You leave Glenlivet. Uh, your major way into television and production was that like a you know was it straight from whiskey or was it more of like a winding road to to get into that? How did that all come about? It was it was definitely a winding road. So when I left Glenlivet, 
um, the reason that I left Glenlivet was because I, I loved doing what I was doing and telling the story of, of, you know, whiskey itself. That was a story. But in my audience, at the end of the day, when I do the Q&A, they were always asking these different questions like, where are you going next? Uh, oh, I love your watch, man. Where'd you get that watch? Those are really cool shoes. Hey, where'd you get that suit? So I realized there was a market for not just, you know, to present luxury brands, not just from a Scotch whiskey point of view, but from a lifestyle branding point of view. So I started R.D. Crawford LLC because I'm not very creative and that's the best I could come up with. <laughs> um, and, and basically I was I was doing the same thing for several lifestyle brands that I was doing for Scotch whiskey. That ended up including some uh, luxury hotels. So I had the opportunity to go to some hotels um, and do a little bit of filming. And it was so... Um, it it was so like rough, like it was me on my phone or you know doing something for a little YouTube channel, and the hotel, um, you know, liked what we were doing. Then I, I was writing a lot for uh, for luxury magazines and then adding video because video started to you know become part of the process and part of the media for for branding. And then uh, the big opportunity was I had a chance to go to a safari by Kempinski and Olalamara in Kenya. They wanted me to come and film there a little bit, which was a huge deal. I was, I was like, this is amazing, you know, fantastic. And I I had a, I, I put a little thing on Facebook. I was like, hey, I'm looking for somebody, a cameraman who won't get paid, but you'll get to go on the safari in Africa. And my good partner now and, and good friend, Ben Alcott, my Australian, my Australian producer, I reached out. I'd met him a few weeks before in Florida doing the um, zero gravity, you know, where you go up in the plane and do the vomit comet. Uh, I'd met him there and he goes, hey, man, I, I own a production company. I'll come with you. And from the show's point of view and us having that partnership, the rest is history. You guys had met doing a flight that goes into the zero gravity. The like, the you just skipped comet. over that. Like that's like an everyday occurrence for most <laughs> people. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. come on, dude. Like, why don't you so, explain that as a, so, as a chat? What was going on? Yeah, yeah. So how they used to train astronauts uh, for for being in zero gravity is they'd send them up in this thing called the vomit comet, and it's basically a huge jumbo jet. They take out all the seats and everything, and it flies in parabolas, so it flies straight up, basically at a, you know at a ninety degree angle almost, not quite. Yep. And then it comes over the top and it gets to an apex and comes back around and heads down again. And you know when you're sitting in a car and you go over a bump, you feel your you kind of lift up and your stomach feels like it's coming up. Yep. Well, on this jumbo jet, that lasts that feeling of coming up and staying up lasts for about twenty seconds at the apex of the parabola, and they do it about fifteen times. So you get to experience. You, your body literally lifts up and stays. You, you're ultimately you're falling. Is, is falling. Yes, you're right. falling, but you're experiencing zero G inside this the fuselage of this this jumbo jet. So I was there to do a piece about it for for luxury experiences, and and uh, Ben was there for his 40th birthday. Actually, he came over to Florida. He always wanted to do it, um, and and that's where we met. So that that experience was was incredible. It's called zero G for anybody that's interested. Did you drink whiskey while you were doing it, though? I didn't, no. I, I took up some, because uh, you do these little tricks, so I took up some Skittles so that you can throw them up in the air and then you, you try and catch them, try and eat them. No, I wouldn't. I don't want to take the chance because is, it is called the Vomit Comet for a reason. Um, <laughs> Did you lose your actually, lunch? No, no, I didn't. They, they give you some tips, like uh, fixate on a single focal point, and that helps, you know. So it, was, it was really cool, really cool experience. 
I got I got to wear a flight suit too and did this slow motion walk, you know, with, with, <laughs> the, top, with the top gun with the top gun music playing in the background. <laughs> Is that just in your head or is someone just, no, no. filming it? <laughs> well, it was in my head and then we filmed it. So we managed to capture it. There you go. <laughs> so on that note, like Mitch touched on this, like obviously you, you you went into that production side of things. I haven't done like luxury branding. Then you've got to leave no trace, right? So yep. with the whiskey industry, like becoming much more eco-friendly, obviously this is something that we're going to focus on, but walk our listeners to what Leave No Trace is and what you've been doing in that show. All right, so Leave No Trace is a, a TV show that, that travels the world highlighting um, eco and sustainable tourism, basically, um, which when we initially started it, we, we realized that when you say ecotourism or sustainable travel, people used to automatically think, oh man, I'm going to be barefoot in a mud hut and eat berries. And, th and that's going to be sustainable travel, but it's not. There's a lot of high-end uh, luxury destinations, accommodations, resorts that are that are doing a lot for the environment, like a lot, and, and being real stewards for the environment because ultimately they don't own the environment. So the trick for them is to is to give people the experience that, that they want them to have, but at the same time, not impact the place that they're in. So these companies do a lot. So we, we highlight, Leave No Trace uh, ultimately highlights luxury, eco-tourism and sustainable travel. So what does that look like though? So give us an example of what are some of the places that you've been to? What are these hotels? Are these like trips and things like that? Like give us, give us a few. Yeah. So what, what each episode, some of the coolest yeah, stuff so you've done. Yeah, yeah. So each episode there's a format to it. Typically, what we do is we we go to a single uh, accommodation or resort or, or an organization that is that's doing something in an area. And one of the examples I can one of the examples from season one that I can give you, there's an organization called Seneva, and they have some property in uh, the Maldives, um, and they're they're. Them for us, the sustainability part of what they do, the programs, the foundations, what they implement um, is the bar for us. Like we, we've never met anybody since that has done it as good as them and had met anybody before that. And and just examples of what they do, every every part of their, uh, their buildings, their villas are all recycled material. All their main beams are actually telegraph poles that came from the UK because telegraph, old wooden telegraph poles are not used anymore, but there was millions of them that had been cut down and are been cut and, and ready to go before they started bringing in um, underground cables or whatever they did. They, they changed it out from those wooden poles. So they used thousands of them to, to build the foundations and their structures for these beautiful, very natural looking villas. Um, they're doing a lot for uh, the local community. So a part of the, the sustainable travel is not just about the travel itself and what these people are doing and the destination, but about giving back to local communities and social responsibility, basically, and protecting cultural heritage and all that stuff. So they hire locally, they train locally. Um, they even offer, they actually, it's a very, very expensive place. It's very high end. Uh, in fact, uh, Ben was looking to take his family there at Christmas and for seven nights, it was like 110 grand. It's crazy. It's silly, silly money. Wow. Um, but they offer, <laughs> they, they offer their guests. Did you put it back uh, on the old Glenn Levitt expense account? <laughs> I, I might, yeah. See if, I'll see if that card's still working. You never know. Uh, um, but what they offer their guests is, look, they, they 
for every uh, if you spend three nights there, if you are willing to roll up the sleeves and go do some environmental work, like hands on, clean the beach or do whatever, you'll get the next night for free. So there's oh, a lot of that goes on. That's so cool. they, they do they do a lot of really cool stuff, uh, and that was from season one, and that's a really good example. Season so you're on two, season what now? Season two? Season, well, you finished season two, right? We just finished it, yeah. We just finished it, and I now I'm just showing off. But in season two, we managed to get all seven continents, which is like for me as a bucket list can is almost unbelievable. I still pinch myself. So and explain, I know, I explain know, to Mitch what the continents are. It's not ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise, <laughs> yeah. right? Those are condiments. Mitch, can you draw right? me a picture, Ricky? Can you show me a, show me some kind of picture, like a, you know, so I can visualize it? See and, right up here, Mitch, behind me. That's North America. Nice there. That's South <laughs> yeah. America. Africa. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, yeah, that that works really well for our listeners, Ricky. Thanks very much. Yeah, well, I thought you guys put this out on the air too. You mean I did my hair for I did my hair for nothing? No. I got oh, that, I got Botox. I got done Botox. Your hair. I got hell. my lips done. I got my teeth cleaned. Although you can't tell. Got my hair cut. Mate, you might might want to refund. Um, so, <laughs> listen, you mentioned uh, Harris recently. Have you done, when it comes to Leave No Trace, have you done anything in Scotland yet? Have you done yes, anything yes. with whiskey at all? Yeah, yeah. So the the episode, uh, we did 10 episodes in season one. And one of the episodes, episode four or five, was Scotland. But it was Scotland from a very micro point of view because all we did was the Outer Hebrides, Harris and Lewis, or Lewis and Harris. Um, so there's a whole episode about that, and it's how I got to meet the people at um, Harris Gin or, or the Harris Whiskey Distillery, because we actually did a piece of them in the episode. Yeah. Very cool. So Very cool. to that, that was one of my questions I was going to get. This is a more of a pitch, Ricky, right? So right. I was just thinking, like, with all the eco-friendly stuff that's going on, like, all these distillies need to be net zero, right? A very short space of time. So I thought... I think it's... Could... Is it 2040? Yeah. Yeah, 24, yeah. 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 But, like... What about doing a little mini series, right? Just in Scotland, all about being eco friendly, right? It's going to be called Leave No Tip, and it's just you and me and Mitch going around the bars in Scotland <laughs> drinking whiskies from the distilleries that are net zero carbon emissions, and then we get kicked out at last call without tipping the staff, right? So that's the that's the deal. What do you think? Leave No Tip, and it's just us getting messy with eco friendly whiskey making. The first the first thing that comes to mind when you say that is, and I'm not sure how many. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are from Scotland. The first thing that comes to mind is the Still Game episode, where Jack and Victor go to a distillery <laughs> and go around like ten times and then punch a hole in the cask. That's what that would look like. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm in. I'm in. Let's let, yeah. let's get this rolling after this this episode. Right, Ricky. Quick fire round for you, mate. You ready yep. for this? Yep. Yep. Best place that you've drunk whiskey in? Antarctica. Wellies or hiking boots? Hiking boots. If you could pick one place to live the rest of your life, where's it going to be? Paris. Dogs or cats? Cats. I've got two of them. Where in the world would you still like to travel and enjoy a dram? Um, I'd like to go to Japan, actually. And that, that's not me just pitching i've just never been to japan and, and you know there, there's good whiskey coming out of japan right nicholas not all uh, as a brick mate <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking grifter you are <laughs> you can take a boy at a paisley but you can't take paisley at a boy right? uh, look all, all, i'm just looking to get a shibuya expensive car that's all <laughs> <laughs> well, never know how you operate good luck yeah i can yeah, sing yeah. for your supper mate <laughs> wax jacket or cagoule Oh, a wax jacket for sure. 
he had to be a wax jacket guy. Yeah. Like Ricky and a cagoule. <laughs> I, grew, I mean i had one on for 20 years growing up in paisley i just like the change <laughs> the idea of change uh hot and sunny beach or cold wet and mountainous oh cold wet and mountainous i found i've go. actually found that out through the course of doing the show there you go last one you don't need to answer it nicholas or mitch Nah, <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. The podcast, it's the best. It you don't really need to pick favorites, mate. You don't need to pick favorites, but thanks for picking me. I can see, I can see where you're going. <laughs> yeah, your lips aren't moving, but your eyes are doing all the talking. I can see that. <laughs> well, Ricky, li- listen, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for uh, for spending your time. You know, we know you're a busy boy. So, um, but before we go, we always like to give whoever's coming on the show a quick plug. So let's chat about where people can find you, where they can find the program, all that good stuff. Right. So your listeners in Asia can find me on Nat Geo. Uh, <laughs> your listeners in the UK, I'm on Sky TV there, EarthX channel called EarthX TV. Here in the US, we're on a couple of um, we're a couple of streaming platforms. We were on Amazon Prime, but I don't believe it's on there anymore. But we're on Plex, uh, YouTube TV, um, we're on there, and then EarthX TV, which is I think direct tv satellite and verizon cable whatever that is um yeah so there's, there's plenty of places for people to watch it what about your and website and your social website um leave no trace.tv and the socials are at leave no trace tv on instagram and at leave no trace tv on facebook and what I about you got, if people I, just want to keep you uh well they can call me at 1-800-HOTMAIL <laughs> Like hotmail. Hotmail, yeah. M E L E. Is that a dial up connection, Ricky? You get the old CD burning? Yeah. <laughs> well, look, guys, thanks very much for tuning in. Ricky, thanks for coming on the show. That was a blast. Uh, likewise, for all the listeners out there, please be sure to smash the like button on the show and more importantly, smash the old follow button wherever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, Mitch. Enjoy the rest of your time in New York City, mate. I'm I'm jealous. This is this is you wrapping up your tour the tour the New York, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Fly out tomorrow night, so I'll be uh, next recording. We'll be from sunny Speyside. Uh, but yeah, man. Um, but yeah, like like Nicholas says, thank you guys for listening, and we'll uh, see you next time, right? Bye. Bye.